0: Hey, welcome to Regeneration. Uh, thanks, team. You're just lovely people. Uh, thank you. Um, thanks for coming out tonight and braving what literally is the first snow that, what is the word when it stays um, and piles up? Sticks. Okay, whatever. That one accumulates. I knew it had a C in it. Um, thank you. Uh, that's my wife, everybody. She's awesome. Uh, so, thanks for coming out tonight. We are starting a new series, a new teaching series tonight called Just Say Yes, but before we get fully into that, I just want to say welcome that we're so glad that you're here. If you happen to be a first-time guest tonight, please know that you were expected and awaited that your arrival here is something that we've prayed for, and so we're excited to have you. Um, Before you leave tonight, make sure you grab a mug. Uh, which are at this table on your way out. It's just our way of saying thank you. If you wouldn't mind filling out a first-time guest card and just sharing your info with us so we can stalk you for the next six weeks, that would also be amazing. Um, No, we just wanna stay in touch and ask you what you thought of your experience and those kinds of things. But don't leave without a mug. At Regeneration, our mission is to interrupt people's lives with the love and grace of Jesus. And so we will have done our jobs tonight if you were interrupted, if you were given pause by something that we said, or sung or prayed or ate in this case and so we hope that that's the case. One of the things that we love to do is interrupt people's lives with generosity and so we're going to do that right now. If you use Facebook, would you get out your smartphone and open up the Facebook app and once you've done that, you can press the check in button which will appear in the top right of that screen. Check in, snap a picture, whatever, uh, I like it when you snap a picture because it just doesn't show the weird map thing. Uh, And what we do at Regen is we build a partnership with an organization called Reach, and Reach builds bridges between our church and organizations doing real good around the world. And so starting this night, tonight, and all of the month of January, uh, every 10 check-ins at Regeneration equals one piece of clothing uh, for a child in need um, through an organization called Souls for Souls which I believe is spelled S-O-L-E-S for S-O-U-L-S. And so that'll happen globally. It's a really great organization. I was doing some Googling. We'll be sharing all about them on our Facebook page. So pull that out, hit check in, um, like our page. It's just a great way to stay in touch. This is a way that you got to be generous tonight uh, without even trying, which I think is pretty cool. We're in the book of John tonight. If you want to grab one of the Bibles underneath you, it's the blue one that has water on it. We're in the book of John, chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 17. Next week, we're going to kick fully into this series, into the book of Jonah, uh, which we're going to hit for four weeks. We'll even have a special guest in there, too. But tonight, I wanted to talk a little bit about John, chapter 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And those blue Bibles, by the way, that are paperback, if you don't have a Bible at home, that's our gift to you. Take that home. Again, be interrupted. Um, So John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, I'm going to read it all out loud. It's also going to be on the screen behind me, so you'll have no reason to miss it. It's also good to have your Bible open to make sure I'm not saying anything crazy, at least not crazier than anything Jesus says. Verse 1 of chapter 15 of the book of John says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches so that they do bear fruit, so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5 says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit, for apart from me You can do nothing. That's a lot of words, so we'll hit that at the end. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted when you produce much fruit. You are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. Verse 9, I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay one's life down one's friends you are my friends if you do what i command look at verse 15 i no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves now you are my friends since i have told you everything the father's told me just to stop for a minute and think about the idea that in jesus god sees me as his friend is a little stunning verse 16 you didn't choose me i chose you i appointed you to go produce lasting fruits that the father will give you whatever you ask for in my name this is my command love one another this is one of my favorite passages of scripture i had to memorize it while i was in grad school do i still have it memorized no it's that time of year when we make resolutions it's that time of year when we start thinking about all the things that happened in 2015, all the good and the bad, and so then we start to think about making resolutions, or at least we feel pressured into making resolutions by our friends. My stepmom's best friend Nancy every year has a little notebook at Christmas, which she wants us to write our New Year's resolutions in. I don't really like New Year's resolutions. I've Fail at them more often than I succeed. So it's not exactly self esteem building. My cousin Alex, one year, his New Year's resolution was to complete an undisclosed personal project, which I thought was a helpful way of getting around it. Uh, in years past, I said I wanted to get healthier, that I wanted to read more, that I, oh, any number of things. And every year it seems like I fail. And yet there's something good about making resolutions, there's something good about setting goals, and so I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind doing something that you maybe have never done at church before. I'd like you to get into a group of three or four people, and I'd just like you to talk about this thing. What's a New Year's resolution you made for 2016, or maybe what's a New Year's resolution you made in the past? Groups of three or four just talk for about three or four minutes about a New Year's resolution you've made this year or that you've made in the past? Is the task clear? On your market set, go. When Steph and I went to breakfast on January 2nd, on Saturday, we started, yesterday, we started talking about what our news resolutions would be, and, and we're both very skeptical about these things. I think the most concrete one we landed on was making more homemade salad dressings. So it's <laughs> about all we've got so far. Feels pretty easy. Uh, Maybe I'll tell my strength and conditioning coach I'd like to be able to bench 500 by the end of the year, but I doubt it. he's in the room. He just sighed heavily. I just realized as I was thinking about New Year's resolutions that a lot of them have it the wrong subject. That a lot of us, what do I want for this year? What do I want in 2016? I'm the subject and I began to wonder what it would look like if we changed the question and changed the subject. What does Jesus want for me in 2016? And and I hope that doesn't strike you as corny, but I think it's an important shift. What does Jesus want to see brought about in my life so that one year from today, we can talk about how I'm different? And so I wanted to spend some time unpacking these verses out of John 15 that I think help answer that. One of the most repeated words in this text is the word remain or abide. And so if I got it to put it simply, if you want to go to sleep right after I say this, here you go. Here's what Jesus wants from you in 2016 is for you to remain in him. The word remain uh, in the original language of the Bible was written in Greek. It's meno, M-E-N-O, and it can be rendered uh, to abide with to be near, I really like it when it's rendered uh, to make yourself at home with what Jesus is looking for us is for us to make ourselves at home, I wonder where you feel secure or where you feel comfortable I wonder where that place is that you feel rested. Maybe it's at home with your family or with a group of friends that feels like family. That comfort, that security, that belonging, that sense of it all fitting together is what Jesus wants to, us to experience with him in 2016 and probably every year after that. And Jesus's use of this imagery of vines and branches is not accidental because he's reaching for something that has to do with intimacy and closeness and even dependence and so Jesus says I am the vine and you are the branches and so if you hear nothing else I say tonight hear this that in 2016 Jesus is inviting you to abide with him and his desire is for you to remain in his presence throughout the year not just at church not just during a song not just when something's on the radio that gives you the Jesus feels I'm talking about all the time Is what Jesus is looking for you. And so, how we do this is important. And Jesus gives us all sorts of clues in verse 15. But before we dive into those, I want to just look at verse 2. Because Jesus says something really important. Let me read you all of verse 1 and verse 2. I am the grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes those branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Another way of saying it is that in 2016, Jesus wants you to bear fruit, that when we're drawing near to Jesus, when we're close to him, when we have a personal relationship with Jesus, I just had a 17-year-old say to me, what the heck does that even mean? And I had to think, because it's one of those Christian phrases that you come to use all the time, but you don't really mean it. It's when there's that closeness with Jesus, that conversation, that friendship, for lack of a better word, stuff inside of you changes, and so we begin to bear fruit, which is the outcome of experiencing Jesus in your daily life you begin to act differently. You begin to think differently in these tiny incremental ways. Jesus is looking for us to not just know in our heads that he's with us all the time, but to actually have an experience of being with him throughout the day. And sometimes that's more tangible and sometimes that's not. And yet Jesus says that part of the process of that is pruning, uh, which those—that's what those little pairs of scissors on there are. They're pruning shears. My my stepmom, who I mentioned earlier, she's a she's a master gardener. Literally, she has some sort of certificate from somewhere that makes her a master gardener. So she's taking courses and this kinds of things. Which means uh, during the summer and the spring, her yard is just bursting at the seams. And then in the wintertime, they all get brought into this one room in the house, and it's more like there's more room for plants than people. So like there's this like twig right here as you're eating dinner, you know, and she, what I've learned about gardening, if you're going to take it seriously, is that it requires constant attention. I mean, she is constantly picking at stuff and trimming stuff off and rearranging things and helping grow. She's constantly pulling off dead stuff from the plant. So that the live parts will grow because plants don't really think about this entirely if they have kind of a sickly branch They're still going to send nutrients to it But the problem with that is that oh, that jeopardizes the rest of the plant And so you have to come along and yank that dead part off so the living part the healthy parts can grow in my house We call this deadheading you, know, you get these flowers you have to go and pluck these little dead things off Make your fingers all sticky and gross And yet jesus says that the father is interested in this kind of activity in our lives That he's interested in coming along and removing the dead and dying parts of us or even just the plain unhealthy part so that the rest of us can grow unhealthy here. And I guess what I want to tell you is that 2016 might have a pruning experience in it for you. That God's agenda for you in 2016 might be to prune you. There might be moments when you feel the pinch of the pruning shear. That's important. I mean, it's something being cut or sliced away. It's not always a feeling of, oh, that was so nice. It's often a feeling of, ow! And sometimes we enter into seasons of pruning that are kind of like, ow, 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 ow. I mean, and yet this season of pruning that God would have for you is ultimately for your best. And so sometimes he's going to remove a relationship, maybe for a time, maybe forever. Sometimes he's going to remove a job. It's true. Sometimes he's going to remove a position of authority or responsibility or even just of praise so that he can position you where he wants you. God always uses our pain to position us. And in this case, he wants to prune branches that are already bearing fruit so that in 2016, you will be more fruitful. That's his goal. So fair warning, when you start to hear the snip of scissors, get a little nervous. But it really does mean that God is doing something. We'll talk about this next week when we hit Jonah, that God disciplines his kids. And that's an act of his love in our lives is when he comes alongside and yanks and pulls and positions us. But We'll talk about that more. Jesus says, I want you to remain in me so that I can remain in you. And so we hear that. And some of us, if we've grown up in the church, we might have some sort of conception about something that we can do to make that happen, to add to that experience. And if, you're in the, if you've grown up in the church, some of these might feel like what I call pastor punts, like, oh, I don't know what else to say, so I'll just say this. But I think it, these things emanate from the text which I think is important. And so Jesus identifies key ways or what our ancestors have called spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, or even just means of grace for us to experience Jesus in our daily life. There's four of them in this text. And one of the things that Jesus says is that we bear fruit, we experience the presence of Jesus when when he says in verse seven, these words, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. We say this a lot at Regen because I'm trying to help us understand that when the reason we spend like 30 minutes in a text and just unpacking it and ripping it apart is because when God's word is explained, God's voice is heard. That the primary way that God exercises his will in the world is not by miracle or chance, not by surprises, not by any of that, but through his word. It's the scepter of. By which our King rules. And the Word of God, the Bible, is the number one catalyst in your spiritual life. I mean, if you want to go from here to here in your spiritual life, if you want to experience more of Jesus in your daily life, it all rises and falls on your interaction with this book. There are moments of richness to that, let me just tell you. There are moments when you read this book and it's just there and it's dripping with meaning. And about for every one time of that, there's another time where it's okay and about five where it just feels like you're reading a book. But yet as we dive into this, the word of God shapes us and corrects us so that we can be more like Jesus, that we can bear fruit. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword which reminds me of the pruning, that sometimes that's the instrument by which God prunes us. And so for 2016, let me encourage you to remain near this book. And so a few resources in that regard that I can hook you up with. I have a great thing that we've built called The First 15, spending the first 15 minutes of your day in God's Word. I have that. I can email it to you. My wife loves the app, Daily Audio Bible, so that as she's getting ready, it's just talking it to her. Um, which is always a little weird because sometimes I'm like walking around downstairs and I hear from upstairs like, and the Lord said. I mean, she was kind of going through like some slaughtery parts and the Lord, you know, and then they slaughtered the Amalekites, you know, and then for her dryer, and then back on. Um, Bible reading plans are really helpful. I just found a really good one if you need one. They're just like a little checkmark list so that, you know, as you read every day. I've never, I have never, I think, in my life read the Bible every day for any more than like... Four days at a time I'm just that guy and so I've tried to like I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year by reading every day and well that lasts until about January 20th and so I have some more manageable ones I would watch out for yearly ones but I just came up with a couple and you can get a ton online another thing that I encourage here all the time is the with God daily devotional by Sky Jathani look up with God devotional or if you want more on that I can send you some they're really good the point is how are you going to be close to this book this year Verse 7b, Jesus says, if our words remain, if if his words remain in us, he says, that means that we can ask anything that we want, and it will be granted. What? Verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Hello? Hello? Like this is like an all-access pass to whatever. I mean, it's like when those people win like a bajillion-dollar Amazon gift card for life. I mean, they can just. And yet, if you've prayed for anything for any length of time, you know that like it doesn't seem to work that way. Just had a conversation with a good friend who um, has lost, who lost his wife 40 years ago, and I mean, she 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 died suddenly. Takes forty years for him to meet someone again, and after seven months, she dies of cancer. And he said, "Kyle, the word says, if you ask for anything in my name, <laughs> they don't pay me enough to figure out exactly what that means." Um, I do sense that that in verse sixteen, this idea of using my name puts us on Jesus' terms and not on ours. Which means, in that moment, it's not this all-access pass to whatever we want. It's our all-access pass to God accomplishing his own purposes in our lives, and frankly, that often means grief, that often means suffering. And I don't know why, I have like a master's degree in spiritual formation. Can I tell you what I know about this? Nothing. <laughs> because we are all wrestling with the same question, which is we just walk through these seasons. This guy was 40 years. And yet Jesus says, as we pray and as we converse with him, we do experience his presence. That it's not a magic wand. Ask anything in my name, in the name of Jesus. Aloha mora. You know, Wingardium Leviosa. These are Harry Potter references. You know. And yet something happens when we pray. And I think the corny thing, if this is a pastor punt, if ever was one, which is that sometimes prayer is often a lot more about changing us than changing other things. But when you're walking through a season of ick, it's also not very good. And yet as you get to know God more, you can't not pray. It becomes very frustrating. It's very cyclical because it starts to feel like God kind of haunts you with his own presence and you can't escape it and nor do you really want to and yet there you are, kind of stuck talking to the one who, though you beg, doesn't change and yet in that we bear fruit in our character and in our hopes, and our changes. Because Jesus' number one goal in our life is to make it so that we love him most and best. And oftentimes that means walking through seasons that really put that to the test. Sometimes it's helpful when you pray to journal. I don't know if you're a writer, but I find that if I don't journal often what I'm praying, it's very quick from God, would you really be with this person? I need to get milk. Back to it. And God, I really would ask that your presence would be upon this person in such a way that I need to send that email. And so sometimes journaling kind of helps you. <laughs> Jesus says in verses 10 and 11, sorry, this is a really cheery New Year sermon. 10 and 11, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and I remain in his love. I have told you. These things, so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, my joy will overflow. overflow. Here's the deal. We experience the presence of Jesus. We remain in him when we do what he says. Here's what Jesus' goal in your life is that you do exactly what he would do if he were in your place. Remember those what would Jesus do bracelets? They were cool when I was in like fifth grade. And yet, when we read those verses, it sounds like there's like an if clause, right? Like, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, starts to sound like, if you obey me, then I will love you, which starts to sound like some of our like cray-cray families, right? Where we exchange what we want, our parents want for their love. And yet what qualifies this is that our relationship of obeying Jesus mirrors his relationship of obeying the Father, Because he says, obey my commandments and you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. And when you're in that dysfunctional cycle where I do what they do so I can earn their love, I'll tell you what, it kills you. But there's something about what Jesus says that it's this, I told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. That's crazy. I don't know what that means. It's like Jesus says, here, have a bucket of my joy, you know? And he says, your joy will overflow. Sometimes obedience carries with it this notion of gross. And I don't want anybody else to tell me what I ought to do. And I will be the master of my own little ship. Thank you very much. And yet all of a sudden, when we start obeying Jesus's commandments, you got to be careful because the one minute you obey, you start to realize, oh my gosh, Jesus is smart. And that's a very dangerous moment because you really start to want to listen to him. Jesus invites us to live this way for our joy. And the reason prayer and Bible reading help us grow is that they continually point out those ways that we need to be obedient. How are you going to say yes to being in God's word? How are you going to be saying yes to hearing God's voice? How are you going to be saying yes to what Jesus says? How are you going to say yes to loving people? Jesus ends this largest chunk in verses 12 and 13 on love. He says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay one's life down for one's friends. And then he talks about being your friends. And then in verse 17, this is my command, love each other. And so we think, oh my gosh, I can tell you, I can tell you right now how many people I love. And I can feel pretty good about it. I'm a pretty loving guy. I, like, I love Betsy. I love Zach. I love Josh. And I, can, I can create a couple hundred people that I love. The problem is, is there's this little black book of people that are really hard to love. And the measure of my love isn't the people that are easy to love. The measure of my love are the people that are hard to love. Darn it. Because it's easy to love easy people. Because you don't have to try. There are people, and you have them in your life, and if you don't have a difficult person to love in your life, that's because you're the difficult person to love. I'm just telling you right out that now, it's you. If you, don't, if you think, there's nobody in my life that's hard to love, it's because you're the one that's hard to love and everybody's kind of like, oh, this is so hard. And this is easy to think, oh, that's so cute. But I, I'm so thankful for C.S. Lewis. He once said, um, don't bother whether or not you really love someone. He said, act like you love them, and then one day you'll wake up and you'll find out that you love them. In my mother's words, that's what we call faking it till you make it, you know? Jesus has this, he's teaching for us, and he's looking for us to just say yes. It's the title of this sermon series, and what are you gonna say yes to this year? God wants you to say yes to being near him in his word. He wants to say yes to you hearing his voice. He wants to say yes to obey what he says, he wants to say yes to loving other people. I, I know y'all, I know a lot of your stories. 2015 is in hard. 2016, some of you are going overseas. 2016, you're starting a family. 2016, you're your are taking this whole new depth. You're starting new jobs. You're living in new realms of reality, of parenthood and marriage and grandparenthood and all of these kinds of things. Jesus says, will you say yes to me in these scenarios? And then he says this thing in verse 5. If you still have it open, that's fine. If not, I'll just read it to you because it's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Here it is. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Gosh. And I think we can take this a couple of ways. I think on the one hand, no plan that you make, no resolutions that you want are possible without Jesus, that nothing really worth accomplishing can really be done without him. On the other hand, you can lose 50 pounds and bench press 500 and read the whole Bible five times through this year and make a million different homemade dressings and any other kind of resolution that you did, but if you did it without Jesus, in the eyes of the Lord, it's nothing. That's what you did. You did nothing. And then again, maybe put a different way, maybe you do read the Bible five times, maybe you travel the world and start a family and a million different awesome things and you and your significant other take your relationship to that next level and that means you know, letting everybody know on MySpace that she's in your top four and uh, you do all of these things. But here's where I think the heart of this verse is, why would you really want to do it without him? I mean, that, that's where it's at, is Jesus says, I mean, you can, Jesus gives us such tremendous freedom to do it without him, and yet without him, it lacks the secret sauce of his own presence. And so, when you say yes to whatever it is that God has for you, I mean, pain or purpose and joy or jealousy... um suffering surprise Jesus has these words for you apart from me you can do nothing Let's pray and let's pray and then we'll we'll sing and then we'll get out of here God as we look at 2015 we confess that there were a lot of things that we did without you And so those things, though they were great, and some of those things were accomplishments we ought to be very proud of, that we did them apart from your presence, apart from your plan, apart from just letting you in on the process, it wasn't really anything worth accomplishing, and so we're sorry for that. And so as we look at 2016, gosh, it's, it's so much more than resolutions, Jesus. The next 362 days are so much more than our little goals. They're about a daily invitation to be in your presence. They're about doing what you've called us to do with you. And so, Father, um, align us with yourself and your heart so that this year we would be the people who say yes, that would say yes to being near your word, that would say yes to hearing you in prayer, that would say yes to those moments of obedience and say yes, gosh darn it, even to love that person I sometimes just can't even oh God help us help us to say yes and when you prune us when you pinch and slice and cut away even something that we dearly love help us to know that it is so that we would bear more fruit than we've already borne. and so help us to remind help us to remember that um, sometimes it does have to get worse before it gets better and that you make yourself available to us in that Pray in Jesus' name, amen. The band's going to come up. One thing I didn't say at any point in our service tonight is that if you happen to be planning on giving, um, we use all of what you give tonight to interrupt people's lives with the love and grace of Jesus. And so if you plan on giving, you got an envelope, you can just drop it in the basket at the back of the room. Thanks for being a part of that. I mean, thanks for just funding this. Thanks for getting behind the vision. And so um, would you stand and sing with us?